And welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 71. And so we concluded in uh, chapter 8 of 2 Kings yesterday, so let's pick it up in chapter 9. But before we do that, at the tail end of chapter 8, uh, we see that uh, verse 28, it says, Ahaziah went up with Joram, son of uh, Ahab, to fight against king, the king of Aram in remote Gilead. And what happened here is that the uh, king Joram got injured. And so uh, they took him uh, away. They took him to Jezreel to recover. And then um, uh, King Ahaziah went to visit him there. And so we pick it up in chapter 9 and verse 1. And it says, The prophet Elisha <clears throat> called one of the sons of the prophets and said, Tuck your mantle under your belt, take this flask of oil with you, and go to remote Gilead. When you get there, look for Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat. Go in, um, get him away from his colleagues, and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil, pour it on his head, and say, This is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. Open the door and escape. Don't wait. And so... Um, and so uh, Elisha is sending uh, the son of a prophet on a mission in order to anoint the next king um, of Israel. And so, um, so he does that. He goes, and when he arrives there, there are a bunch of uh, army commanders in the room, and he calls Jehu away. <clears throat> and in verse 6 it says, So Jehu got up and went into the house. The young prophet poured the oil on his head and said, This is what the Lord, the Lord God of Israel says, I anoint you king over the Lord's people Israel. You are to strike down the house of your master Ahab, so that I may avenge the bloodshed by the hand of Jezebel, the blood of my servants, the prophets, and all the servants of the Lord. The whole house of Ahab will perish, and I will wipe out all of Ahab's males, both slave and free, in Israel. So he wants Jehu to wipe out the house of Ahab from the face of the earth. And so this is what he's commissioned to do. And so then uh, the messenger takes off and runs away, and Jehu goes back into the room with the army commanders, and they say, hey, what's up? What'd the guy want? And so Jehu tries to play it off. Oh, he didn't want anything. He was crazy, this, that, and the other. And they're like, no, uh-uh, dog. No, what did he want? And so then he says, <clears throat> he this is in verse 12, he talked to me about this and that and said, this is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. Verse 13, each man quickly took his garment and put it under Jehu on the bare steps. They blew the ram's horn and proclaimed, Jehu is king. And so his buddies, his army commander buddies, immediately knew that this was legit and that Jehu was going to be the king. And so it says in verse 16, Jehu got into his chariot and went up to Jezreel since Joram was laid up there and King Ahaziah of Judah had gone down to visit Joram. So remember, Joram is recovering from his wounds in battle. And so Jehu is going out there uh, to meet him. And so in verse 18, it says, <clears throat> um, what had happened was that um, uh, a, a watchman on the wall uh, saw Jehu coming from a distance. So I'm coming in. And so he tells Joram, Somebody's coming in crazy. He says, we'll send out somebody there to meet him. And so they sent a messenger out. And it says in verse 18, so a horseman went to meet Jehu and said, uh, this is what the king asked. Do you come in peace? Jehu replied, what do I have? What do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. <laughs> Jehu is essentially saying, this is none of your business. Get in the ranks. And so apparently that's what the horseman did. He got in the ranks and they kept coming towards Jezreel. And so the watchman says, he's still coming. And our, our dude, our guy, he's not coming back. So Joram says, send out another one. So he sends out another horseman and he essentially says the same thing. Do you come in peace? 
Jehu says, what do you have to do with peace? Fall in line. So he, he gets in the ranks and they st they're still coming. And so the watchman tells Joram, they still coming and he's driving crazy. You know, it looks like Jehu, but I don't know. And so <clears throat> obviously uh, uh, King Joram knew who Jehu was. If Jehu was a commander in the army and Joram is the king, then he's a commander in his army. So they would know each other. So then the word says that the king, uh, then King Joram of Israel and King Ahaziah of Judah set out each in his own chariot and met Jehu at the plot of land of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Now, remember, Naboth had the plot of land that essentially was stolen from him by uh, Ahab and Jezebel. And Jezebel had him killed with false accusations, and then she gave the land to Ahab so Ahab could have his vegetable garden. <laughs> and so, and so, um, they met him at that plot of land. And it says in verse 22, when Joram saw Jehu, he asked, do you come in peace, Jehu? He answered, what peace can there be as long as there is so much prostitution and sorcery from your mother Jezebel? Ooh. So he says, we can't have any peace because of the wickedness of your mother. <clears throat> and it says that, Jor uh, that Jor King Joram turned around and fled and then in verse 24, it says, Then Jehu uh, drew his bow and shot Joram between the shoulders. The arrow went through his heart, and he slumped down in his chariot. Jehu said to Bidkar, his aide, Pick him up and throw him on the plot of ground belonging to Naboth, the Je Jezreelite. In other words, throw him on the plot of land that your father stole. And, and uh, it said, For remember, when you and I were riding side by side behind his father Ahab, the Lord uttered, uttered this pronouncement against him. As surely as I saw the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son yesterday, this is the Lord's declaration. So will I repay you on this plot of land. So this is the Lord delivering payback. Your old man stole this plot of land with blood. You killed him for it. He, uh, he killed him for it, so I'm throwing you on it. In verse 27, <clears throat> when King Ahaziah of Judah saw what was happening, he fled up the road towards uh, Beth Hagen. Jehu pursued him, shouting, shoot him too. So they shot him in his chariot, so they killed the king of Judah. <clears throat> in verse 30, it says, "Then Jehu, uh, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard about it. So she painted her eyes and fixed her hair and looked down from the window. So she's fixing herself up. Why is she doing this? I'm not quite sure. Uh, in verse 31, it says, as Jehu entered the city gate, she said, do you come in peace, Zimri, killer of your master? Now, remember, Zimri had killed the king of Israel. And then when the commanders in the field of the army found out about it, they made Omri king. And then they were going back to take care of Zimri. But then Zimri took his own life and he was only king for seven days. And so Jezebel is essentially calling Jehu Zimri. And so, and so said, do you come in peace, Zimri, killer of your master? Verse 32. He looked upward. Um, he looked upward toward the window, and he said, "Who is on my side? Who?" Two or three units looked down at him, and so <clears throat> now remember, uh, in in these times, um, uh, female royalty were watched over typically by eunuchs because they were eunuchs. They figured they couldn't do anything to them, and so they would be the ones that would be assigned to watch over female royalty. And so two or three units looked down at him. And he said, throw her down. So they threw her down and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses and Jehu rode over her. 
Talk about disrespect and disdain. They threw her out of the window. She splattered on the ground. Then he rode his horse over her. In verse 34, then he went in, ate and drank and said, take care of this cursed woman and bury her since she's a king's daughter. They said, well, you know, it, at least she's a king's daughter, so I guess we have to show her some respect. But when they went out to bury her, they did not find anything but the skull, the feet, and the hands. So they went back and told him, he said, this, fulfilled, this fulfills the, words, uh, the Lord's word that he spoke through his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the plot of land at Jezreel, the, uh, the dogs will eat Jezebel's flesh. Jeze Jezebel's corpse will be like manure on the surface of the ground in the plot of the land of Jezreel at Jezreel, so that no one will be able to say, this is Jezebel. And so in other words, she's wiped from the face of the earth. There's no real remnants of her except for the skull and the feet. And I think the hands. That's it. Other than that, she's gone. Then we look at chapter 10. It says in verse 1, since Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria, Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria, to the rulers of Jezreel, to the elders and to the guardians of Ahab's son of Ahab's sons. And so in this letter, he essentially writes, look, Ahab has 70 sons there. And so I want you to take one of them and make him the king. And then I want you to join him and then come fight against me. This is essentially what he's saying. And so in verse four, however, the word says, however, they were terrified and they reasoned, look, two kings couldn't stand against him. How can we? And so these are the elders and the prominent men of the city. And the guardians of the sons, they said, we can't stand against Jehu. These two kings couldn't stand against him, so what are we going to do? And so they send him a letter and say, look, we don't want to fight you. We don't want no part of you. So how can we make this right? How can we make this go away? And so it says in verse 6, then Jehu wrote them a second letter saying, if you are on my side and if you will obey me, bring me the heads of your master's sons at this time uh, tomorrow. And so he says, okay, you want to be on my side? You want to be in my good graces? Give me the heads of these 70 sons. And then it says, all 70 of the king's sons were uh, being cared for by the city's prominent men. In verse 7, when the letter came to them, they took the king's sons and slaughtered them, all 70, and put their heads in baskets and sent them uh, to Jehu at Jezreel. <laughs> so we see the power of self-preservation uh, right here. And he said, look, we don't want to stand against you. What do we got to do? Oh, you want 70 heads? Here we go. Here, here are the 70 heads. Okay, we good now? <laughs> and, so, um, and so the messengers came and told the king that they had the, 70's head, the 70 heads. And the king said, pile them up in two heaps at the entrance of the city gate until morning. This is the king making a statement. He said, I am here. I am the ruler. Here are the heads, of uh, 70 male heads of uh, the house of uh, Ahab at the city gate. And then um, it says that um, in verse 10, now then, that not a word uh, the Lord spoke against the house of Ahab will fail, for the Lord has done what he promised to his servant Elijah. So Jehu killed all who remained in the house of Ahab and Jezreel, all his great men, close friends and priests, leaving him no survivors. Then he set out and went to Samaria. So he took care of business in Jezreel. I guess if you knew um, uh, anybody in, in the house of Ahab and, and you were cool with them, then you got axed. So he eliminated the house. Then it says in verse 17, 
When Jehu came to Samaria, he struck down all who remained from the house of Ahab uh, in Samaria until he had annihilated his house, according to the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. And so you told him, look, I'm going to wipe you out, you and your whole household. And so this is judgment on the house of Ahab. And so then <clears throat> in verse 18, it says, then uh, Jehu brought all the people together. He's in Samaria now and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu will serve him a lot. In other words, Ahab served, he, he kind of half-heartedly served Baal, but me, Jehu, I'm going to serve Baal with all my heart. So this is what he's telling the people. He says, uh, so um, in 19, now therefore summon to me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests. None must be missing. Bring me all of the priests and prophets and, and, and whatnot from Baal. In verse 21, then Jehu set, uh, sent messengers throughout all Israel and all the servants of Baal came. No one failed to come. They entered the temple of Baal and it was filled from one end to the other. Okay, so he brought them all in. He wanted to make sure they were all there. They all had uh, in the temple. They're thinking, you know, they, they're going to anoint the new king or, or you know, they're going to have some ceremony. It's going to be great, whatever. Then Jehu and uh, Jehonadab um, entered the temple of Baal, and Jehu said to, his serv to the servants of Baal, look carefully to see that there are no servants of the Lord among you, only servants of Baal. And so he wants to make sure they're thinking that we got to get the, 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 we got to get the outcasts out. We got to make sure it's only us pure bloods in here. Let's make sure only, only the prophets, the priests, the men of Baal are in this temple. And so Jehu is making sure that that is the case. In verse 25, when he finished offering the burnt offerings, Jehu, Jehu said to the guards and officers, go in and kill them. Don't let anyone out. Now, he had previously told the guards, if anybody gets out, then that means it's going to be your life. And so make sure nobody gets out. And so he wiped, he wiped them all out. And then the word says, then they tore down the temple of Baal and made it a latrine. Talk about adding insult to injury. They wiped out all the priests and prophets of Baal, tore down the temple, and then made it a latrine. <clears throat> mm. In verse 28. Jehu eliminated uh, Baal worship from Israel, but he did not turn away from the sins that Jeroboam, son of uh, Nebat, had caused Israel to commit. And so Jehu showed all of this zeal for the Lord against Baal, but he didn't eliminate all the idol worship. He didn't do everything. So he, he, he half-heartedly did the things of the Lord, not wholeheartedly, you know. And it says um, that the, sin, the sins of Jeroboam, uh, son of Nebet, had caused Israel to commit worshiping the gold calves that were in Bethel and Dan. And so the worshiping of the gold calves and, and, and the high places and all that, that still remained, even though he got rid of the things of Baal. And so he didn't do a thorough job. It says in verse 30, nevertheless, the Lord said to Jehu, because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my sight, and have um, done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, four generations of your sons will sit on the throne of Israel. So we see that even though Jehu didn't clean house, the Lord is still blessing him with four generations of, 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 of kingship. <clears throat> now it says um, in those days, in verse 32, the Lord began to reduce the size of Israel. 
the king of Aram defeated the Israelites throughout their territory. So we see that, you know, because of this, this evil, these evil practices and in Jehu's half-hearted uh, zealousness for the Lord, the Lord is starting to reduce the territory and reduce the power of the northern kingdom, of, of the northern kingdom, Israel. And then it says in verse 35, Jehu rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. His son uh, Jehoiaz became king in his place. The length of Jehu's reign over Israel and Samaria was 28 years. So we see that Jehu reigned for 28 years, which was a long time for the kings of Israel. Because if you remember, prior to Jehu, a typical reign was like two to three years. You know, Zimri ruled for a week. And so that's because they were all evil. Whereas the kings in Judah, they had long runs, but the kings in Israel in the northern kingdom, they had short runs, except for Jehu here, because he did serve some of what the Lord had wanted him to do. We move on to chapter 11 in verse 1. It says, when uh, Athaliah, uh, Ahaziah's mother, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to annihilate all the royal heirs. Now, when Athaliah uh, Azahiah's mother. She's removing all the royal heirs. In other words, she's killing all of her grandsons. Okay. <laughs> Verse two, Jehosheba, who was King Jehoram's daughter and um, Ahaziah's sister, secretly rescued Joash, son of Ahaziah, uh, from among the king's sons who were being killed and put him uh, and the one who nursed him in a bedroom. And so grandma was killing the grandsons, but then auntie saves one of the sons, Joash. So he was hidden from Athaliah and was not killed. Joash was hiding with her in the Lord's temple six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So while his grandmother was reigning over the land, grandson was in the temple for six years, you know, being fed and growing, being taught, educated, whatever. She didn't know this. In verse 4, in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent uh, for the commanders of hundreds, uh, the Karaites and the guards. He had them come to him um, in the Lord's temple where he made a covenant with them and put them under oath. He showed them the king's son and commanded them, you are to take turns providing protection for the palace. And so he's commanding them what to do. You got to protect this boy, okay, because I'm about to do something and he's going to need protection. And so that's what they do. And then it says in verse 12, Jehoiada, uh, not Jehoiada, Jehoiada is a priest. So Jehoiada brought out the king's son, put a crown on him, gave him the testimony, and made him king. They anointed him and clapped their hands and cried, Long live the king. Verse 13, when Athaliah heard the noise from the guard and the crowd, she went out to the people at the Lord's temple. So she heard this going on, so she's going out to see what... what What's happening here? What's going on? And then she saw everything that was going on. She saw the boy with the crown on his head and whatnot. And so Athaliah uh, tore her clothes and screamed, treason, treason. In verse 15, then uh, priest Jeho uh, Jehoiada um, ordered the commanders of hundreds in charge of the army, take her out between the ranks and put to death by the sword anyone who follows her. So get her, arrest her, take her out. Anybody who follows her, kill him. In verse 16, so they arrested her, and she went through the horse entrance to the king's palace where she was put to death. 
So they put grandma to death because she was treacherous. She's, she was crying out treason, treason. She's the one that committed treason by killing her grandsons, the, light, the, 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 um, the natural heirs or the rightful heirs to the throne. But she eliminated them. And so then in chapter 12, it says, Joash was seven years old when he became king. In the seventh year of Jehu, Joash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. Throughout the time, uh, verse 2, throughout the time the priest Joida instructed him, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. Yet the high places were not taken away. The people continued sacrificing and burning incense in the high places. And so we note here <laughs> that the word says that uh, throughout the time priest Joida uh, instructed him, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. When, when priest Joida dies, then we'll see what was really in Joash. You know, as long as uh, Joida was alive, then Joash did what was right in, in the Lord. But in, in Chronicles, we'll see, you know, what really was in the heart of Joash. And in verse 17, it says, At that time, the king of Aaron marched up and fought against Gath and captured it. Then he planned to attack Jerusalem. So King Joash of um, Judah took all the items consecrated by himself and by his ancestors, the kings of uh, the, the previous kings of, um, of Judah, as well as all the gold found in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and in the king's palace. And he sent them to the king of Aram. Then the king of Aram withdrew from Jerusalem. In other words, Joash paid him off. He paid him off to not attack. He didn't consult the Lord. He didn't turn to the Lord. He paid him off. So we started to see what really is in Joash's heart. And so, uh, you know, he went after Joida died. And so, you know, he didn't, he didn't do the wise thing. And then in verse 20, it says, Joash's servants conspired uh, against him and attacked him at Beth Milo on the road that goes down to Silo. He died and they buried, um, they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. And his son uh, Amaziah became king in his place. And so with that, we will conclude for today, and we will pick up in Second Kings chapter 13 tomorrow. Everybody take care. Bye-bye.